Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to episode 68 of the Cover 7 with the Mason Pierce podcast. Guys, I hope y'all have had a fantastic weekend because I know I most definitely did gathering up all of this news for you beautiful people. Now, on today's episode, it will mainly be focused on college football as there is just a huge amount of recruits that committed to their schools over the past weekend, but we do, but we still do have some pretty interesting NFL and MLB and then obviously the NBA draft, which just happened on uh Thursday of last week, we will discuss this the full first round and some you know noticeable picks from the draft. But anyway, guys, before we do begin today's episode, like we always do, please make sure that you are following the official Instagram and TikTok of the Cover Seven with Mason Pierce podcast at Cover Seven with Mason Pierce. I'll make sure to leave both of the links down in the description below, like we always do. And guys, let's dive right into today's episode. And the first news that I want to talk about in today's college football segment is regarding five-star quarterback in the 2023 class, Jaden Rashada. Now, Jaden Rashada, he is ranked as a top 50 recruit and is one of the more sought-after quarterback prospects in the 2023 class alongside Arch Manning. Well, Jaden Rashada, he officially announced his commitment over the weekend, most specifically on Sunday, of where he will be going to college. Now, a lot of people were assuming that he would go to Ole Miss due to the fact that his brother had just committed to Ole Miss. Texas A&M was also in the mix due to him having a pretty impressive visit with the Aggies, but... Jaden Rashada kind of decided, you know, to completely flip the script, and he decided that he would commit to Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes. Now, Jaden is six foot four and 185 pounds, which is kind of your typical frame that you're gonna want out of a quarterback, especially a lot more taller ones. And six foot four definitely fits that frame. So, you know, pretty much every school wanted him. And ever since Mario Cristobal came over to Miami from Oregon, he has completely revamped the Hurricanes after the whole Manny Diaz area. Er- era after the whole Manny Diaz era he completely revamped everything got them going on the right track whether it was via the transfer portal or recruiting he's done an absolutely amazing job and if Jaden Rashada does sign with the Miami Hurricanes which nine times out of ten he probably will because just remember this is a verbal commitment there's nothing official yet but he did announce that he would commit to Miami but anyway if he does officially sign his letter of intent to go to Miami he will become the Miami Hurricanes second highest ranked quarterback recruit in their history only trailing Kyle Wright who was a former quarterback in the 20 uh, the class of 2003 but anyway this is an amazing pickup for Mario Cristobal and the Miami Hurricanes or Hurricanes as Jaden Rashada was just heavily sought after by pretty much every program in the country and the fact that they ended up landing him is a huge deal and it's also funny to think that you know people are probably going to talk a lot about NIL deals and yada 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 which is most likely true that's probably a huge factor of why he also went to Miami but I do think the fact that him going to Miami probably you know for him was probably the better decision because he would be guaranteed a lot more playing time say if he went to Ole Miss or whatnot and you know, Jackson Dart stays a lot longer or going to A&M and then Haynes King or Max Johnson, you know, continues to just perform and perform because A&M, despite them not having the greatest quarterback room, they still do have some pretty solid quarterbacks. So it wouldn't have been a guarantee that he would play. So regardless, I do think he made the right decision to go to Miami as obviously Miami's completely rebuilding themselves and they're looking to be a blue blood once again in college football. And, 
Jaden Rashadi, he now joins four-star athlete Robbie Washington in the Hurricanes 2023 class. So, so far, it's looking pretty good. I mean, they don't have the highest-ranked recruiting class, but the couple guys that they do have in their 2023 class definitely is going to be interesting for the Miami Hurricanes moving forward into the future. Now, I don't want to completely keep talking about Jaden Rashada, but I do want to emphasize the fact that he was a huge quarterback prospect, along obviously alongside Arch Manning. So the fact that, you know, Mario Cristobal did the unthinkable and went and got him from these SEC schools is a huge pull for the Miami Hurricanes. But anyway, guys, the next news I want to talk about is regarding four-star 2024 tight end Jack Larson. Now, Jack Larson, he is ranked by many recruiting uh, websites as the as a top 50 prospect in the class of 2024 and the number three overall tight end now jack had just announced his commitment on june 24th that he will be joining marcus freeman and the notre dame fighting irish i cannot i mean i literally can't put it into words how probably good of a change it was for the fighting irish to go from brian kelly who kind of just seemed to be plateaued if you want to say it you know okay we can make we can make it to a new york six bowl game but we never can win and now with this whole new energy that marcus freeman is bringing to notre dame and obviously the recruits he's racking in and just the insane job that marcus freeman has done for the fighting irish and he hasn't even coached a game yet should be definitely well applauded and be you know be majorly respected because He's already looking to the 2024 class now, as Notre Dame currently has, I think, the number two, you know, after Ohio State jumped them, but they still have the number two recruiting class in the class of 2023. So, regardless, Marcus Freeman is doing an immense job at Notre Dame as he pulls in another four-star, but this time it is in the class of 2024 in the form of four-star tight end Jack Larson. Now, this next news that I want to talk about is actually kind of funny, and it involves an in-state rivalry between Florida State and Florida. Now, this whole story is regarding four-star offensive lineman in the class of 2023, Roderick Kearney. Now, Roderick Kearney coming off an official visit to Florida literally on Sunday. An hour later, he would then go on to announce his commitment to in-state rival of Florida, Florida State. Now, Roderick, he is six foot four, three hundred pounds, and is mostly going to be used as an interior lineman, you know, for whatever college he would have gone at. And you know, Florida State, who is not—I mean, they've had a pretty solid 2023 class, but they, you know, they've been needing some momentum. And them definitely pulling Roderick from Florida is a huge step in the right direction, and obviously gives them a lot of needed momentum. And I just think it's funny how. He just got off an official visit at Florida, and not even, and I mean, this is accurate, not even an hour later, he officially announces his commitment to Florida State. Now, Florida State had offered him back in late April of 2021, so they had been pretty hard after him for a while now, but I do think he will fit in very well with Florida State as they, you know, do need a lot more offensive line help, and they will definitely get it in Roderick Kearney. Now, Roderick Kearney, he is ranked as the 128th player nationally, the sixth in the offensive or interior offensive line position and 27th within the state of Florida so huge pickup for the Florida State Seminoles now the next college football news that I do want to talk about is regarding four-star wide receiver Jonah Wilson now Jonah Wilson is a top 300 player in the class of 2023 and currently had offers from Ohio State Houston LSU Arkansas Baylor and Texas A&M now on Sunday Jonah actually decided to announce his commitment and he announced that he would be committing to, drumroll please, do, 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 
the University of Texas. So the Longhorns get another huge recruit after, you know, Austin is still currently buzzing on, you know, about getting Arch Manning, the five-star and number one overall prospect in the class of 2023. And like I said, expect a butterfly effect from Arch Manning's commitment to Texas because a lot of players are going to want to play with him. Obviously, by them, you know, proving to Arch that, hey, you should come to Texas was a huge step in the right direction for Steve Sarkeesian and his staff. And once again, you should only expect a lot more of these blue chip prospects to commit to UT. And Jonah Wilson is another example of why UT could possibly be dangerous in years to come. But yes, four-star wide receiver Jonah Wilson has announced his commitment to the University of Texas. Now for our next news of today's college football segment, this will be a, this this news will be regarding former Clemson running back and current Florida running back Demarcus Bowman. Now Demarcus Bowman, coming out of high school, was a five-star running back and was ranked as a top. 50 running back recruit of all time by n- multiple consensus rankings and coming out of high school Florida was heavily pushing to get DeMarcus but DeMarcus would end up committing to Clemson and after only one season at Clemson DeMarcus would decide to enter the transfer portal where he would end up committing to Florida now after only one season with Florida where really didn't get a lot of opportunities and didn't really play a lot DeMarcus has decided that he will once again enter the transfer portal so Former five-star running back DeMarcus Bowman has entered the transfer portal once again. It's going to be interesting interesting to see where he possibly does land. I mean, I haven't really kept up with him like crazy, especially once he got out of high school, but I do know that he is a very solid back. But Florida fans, this is no reason to worry at all because y'all's running back is y'all's, y'all's running back room is still extremely stacked as y'all just got 2022 running back recruit Trevor Etienne who is the brother of former Clemson running back Travis Etienne and y'all also still have Lorenzo Lingard, Naquan Wright, and Montrell Johnson in y'all's running back room so Florida you're fine definitely losing to Marcus Bowman is not the end of the world but I know there's been a lot of people and especially Florida fans who have kind of been disgusted right now with Billy Napier and his staff for just the lackluster recruiting they've done so far which, once again, he is a first-year head coach, and we've seen, obviously, Mario Cristobal, Lincoln Riley, Brent Venables, and all these other first-year head coaches at, well, at their new respective programs do you know immense jobs in Florida, which is arguably one of the most notable college football programs of all time. Seeing them struggle in this 2023 recruiting cycle is definitely something for concern, but once again, give Billy Napier some more time. I mean, he completely turned around Louisiana Lafayette and made them a top 25 program. So just give him a little bit more time, Florida fans, I promise. It's not the end of the world just because y'all miss out on one recruiting class. Y'all will eventually get there. Just you have to let him slowly rebuild. But anyway, guys, the next college football news that we have for today's episode is going to be regarding former North Texas linebacker Katie Davis. Now, this name is probably not familiar with most of the college football landscape because, once again, he does play at a smaller school in North Texas. But by no means should we discredit the production he gave the Mean Green in four years of playing with them. And just to show you how great his production was during the 2021 season, he was named to the first team all-conference USA team and he also is a preseason All-American for the 2022 season. Now, Katie Davis did announce over the weekend that he would be entering his name into the transfer portal and expect a lot of SEC schools to target the grad transfer as he had a very dominant season last year with the Mean Green where he recorded 121 total tackles, 13 for a loss, and he's looking to absolutely 
you know, replicate that same type of production next season, but with a bigger program. So a notable name that you should watch out for during this next college football season, because if he can, you know, play his cards right at the next level in college football, definitely watch for his name to be in the NFL draft next season. Now, guys, for our final college football news of today's college football segment, I want to discuss a head coach that just recently announced his retirement but also a coach that definitely deserves a lot more respect than he has gotten here recently. And this is regarding uh, UAB head coach Bill Clark. Now, Bill Clark, he joined the Blazers back in 2017 after they had just got reinstated. You know, their football program, it had gotten shut down in 2014 due to a lot of financial issues, but then would be later um, reinstated right before the 2017 season. And it showed a lot of hope for a UAB program that, you know, really did miss having a football program. Now, UAB, they would go go out and hire Bill Clark, and Bill Clark did a fantastic job in his first couple seasons at UAB. As through his career, he went 49 and 26 with two Conference USA championships, three division titles, and four bowl game appearances. Now, despite having a lackluster 2017 where they only went 6-6, they would follow up that 2017 campaign with a very impressive 2018 season where they went 11-3 and won the Conference USA Championship. And it was just an absolute right step in the future for the Blazers as it shows some prominence for a program that really had never been prominent. And obviously, Bill Clark was a huge reason for that success that the Blazers had. And he would also go on to win the Eddie Robinson uh, honor, which is aka the National Coach of the Year honor, which was a huge accomplishment for Bill Clark. But despite going 35-15 and 15 the past four seasons, Bill Clark would announce his retirement from head coaching as he would continue to suffer with chronic back problems and finally it just got to that last straw. Now, despite him stepping down, he is not going anywhere from UAB. He is still going to be fully, you know, in the community and is going to continue to fully be a huge force in that UAB football program. Now, if you're wondering who their interim head coach is going to be, their interim head coach is going to be offensive coordinator Brian Vincent as he will serve as the interim head coach until UAB does find their future replacement. Now, guys, that does wrap up today's college football segment. And like always, let me know what y'all's favorite part about today's college football segment was. I know mine was definitely the Jaden Rashada news about him committing to Miami because personally, I just never saw him going to Miami. I thought A&M or Ole Miss were kind of locked to land the talented five-star quarterback. But anyway, guys, let's get into some NFL news. Now, the first NFL news that I do want to talk about is regarding the New Orleans Saints and middle linebacker Demario Davis. Now, Demario Davis has been a huge keystone for that New Orleans Saints defense as he has racked up over 100-plus tackles in the past two seasons while also averaging about three-and-a-half sacks the past two seasons. So definitely well-deserving of a contract extension. Well, DeMario Davis and the New Orleans Saints had announced that they will they have agreed on a one-year contract extension to keep the linebacker down in New Orleans. And once again, this is a pretty solid signing for the New Orleans Saints as they've definitely been targeting defense in free agency, going out and getting guys like Marcus May, Tyron Matthew, and you know still having guys like Cameron Jordan and now DeMario Davis. So the New Orleans Saints, they're still looking pretty dangerous despite the fact that Alvin Kamara is still facing a suspension up to six games due to some off-the-field issues that he had during the offseason. So definitely a great uh, re-sign for the New Orleans Saints. 
Now, the next NFL news that I want to talk about is regarding former Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver and current Miami Dolphins wide receiver Tyreek Hill. Now, Tyreek Hill on a podcast about a couple weeks ago, he had made some comments regarding both his current quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, and his past quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Just some differences that they had and, you know, which what 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 you know what each quarterback excels in over the other and he said that Tua has better accuracy than Patrick Mahomes, but he also said Patrick Mahomes has a strong arm. And he was praising both quarterbacks, but was just trying to keep it real with a lot of people that he's not just going to, you know, suck up to Patrick or whatnot. Well, Tyreek Hill had said to a couple people and even on social media that he has received death threats from Kansas City Chiefs fans due to these comments that he made about Patrick Mahomes. Which, once again, that is way too far because football is just a game. It is just a game. It does not matter at all all at the end of the day we are all humans we should not be wishing death on each other over the game of football I mean I take it very serious but I would never wish death on someone just because they call out my quarterback now what Tyreek Hill said was necessarily not wrong to attack of Iloa if you watch any of his film whether it was in high school or college at Alabama he does have some great accuracy now I know during the early parts of his NFL career he definitely has struggled when it comes to accuracy and decision making but He's made a lot of strides in the offseason to improve that. In Miami, you know, they're finally showing a lot more trust they have in him as they went out and got Tyreek Hill. So, once again, I don't think Tyreek Hill was wrong. Obviously, I do think he might have exaggerated it a little bit. But to threaten a man in his life, just the fact that he called out your quarterback, is just completely ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes, we all know, is the best quarterback in the league. That is without a doubt. Him, Josh Allen, you know, soon to be Justin Herbert, Tom, all those guys are the are, well, Aaron Rodgers. Four Packer fans get mad at me. Aaron Rodgers is, you know, pretty good too. It's just I don't understand, guys, where we feel the need to just threaten someone, give them death threats, send them harmful things due to the fact they just call out someone. I mean, what he said, once again, was not necessarily wrong. Do I think he probably should have said it? No, he probably should have just kept his mouth closed and kept it you know, to himself. But at the same time, he's not necessarily wrong. So, but anyway, I just thought I'd let y'all know that Tyreek Hill has literally received death threats over the comments he made about Patrick Mahomes a couple weeks ago. Now, the next and final NFL news that I want to talk about is regarding some comments that were made from NFL legend Warren Sapp. Now, Warren Sapp in an interview had said that he had heard from some sources within the Las Vegas Raiders organization that Colin Kaepernick's workout with the Raiders was, quote-unquote, a disaster. Yeah, that definitely contradicts a lot of reports that we had heard from, you know, multiple sources in the NFL, which... Once again, does not shock me if this is if this is actually true that Colin Kaepernick's workout was a disaster due to the fact that Colin Kaepernick hasn't played any sort of meaning meaningful football since what 2016, and he's only aged. He's been focused on obviously he got, he he had that movie come out on Netflix. He's been doing other things. You know, football has not been his main priority. And now I know there's been workout videos and yada yada yada. You know what every athlete does. Mm. Excuse me, guys, but at the end of the day, I don't think he would have been anything more than a third string or practice squad guy. And I think a lot of people need to just accept the fact that Colin Kaepernick is not the same Colin Kaepernick that we saw play the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl and then, you know, play the Green Bay Packers in the 2012 playoffs. He's just not that same player anymore, whether it is due to age or just declining play. That's not Colin Kaepernick anymore. So once again, I'm just I wish we could quit this whole topic of Colin Kaepernick and just move on with the fact that he will not play in the NFL anymore. 
Now, could he get a thing? Could he possibly get a job as a practice squad quarterback? Absolutely. I could see that 100% happening. But do I ever see him stepping foot onto an NFL field again as a starting quarterback? 100% not. Because nowadays in the NFL, a lot of teams are going to be looking to get younger at quarterback. They're not going to want to sign a guy that is in his mid-30s when they could potentially get a very cheap and younger option. Because I think I remembered, and I know a lot of us might remember last year whenever um, uh, Colin Kaepernick had that public workout. And then afterwards was wanting some stupid amount of money, I think like $10 million a year or something like that from teams. And teams obviously aren't going to pay a guy $10 million a season who hasn't even played in the league for literally almost six years at this point. So besides the fact, I do think it's interesting that we are finally kind of getting some more of the truth about Colin Kaepernick's workout with the Las Vegas Raiders. Because if, I mean... I never really remembered a lot being said about his workout besides a couple people saying he did pretty solid and this and that. You know, Derek Carr would say he did pretty good. But I I think it's funny that Warren Sapp finally came out and was blunt about it and said, yeah, his workout was a complete disaster. So it will be interesting to see how that whole situation unfolds. But anyway, guys, that is it for today's NFL segment. I hope you all enjoyed it. I know I definitely did. The Colin Kaepernick situation is just weird because we don't really know a lot like we don't the public as a whole doesn't really know a lot obviously the nfl and the the raiders and all that they have everything you need to know but for us we're kind of left stranded for any type of details we get and at least warren Sapp finally has come out and kind of given us a clue into what happened with colin kaepernick and the las vegas raiders but anyway guys let's transition over into today's mlb segment now we did have some pretty interesting mlb stuff happen over the weekend and the first thing that did happen was regarding aaron judge and the new york yankees now in case you don't really know what's going on aaron judge He's going to become an unrestricted free agent after the 2022 season, aka means, you know, he just he'll be able to go to whatever team he wants and won't be restricted from going to that certain team. Now, Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees have currently been battling his whole arbitration thing, and after they had gone through the whole arbitration meeting and all that, Aaron Judge and the New York Yankees have agreed to a 19 million dollar contract for the rest of the 2022 season, which means those teams don't have to. Which means Yankees and Aaron Judge do not have to worry about arbitration anymore. So that is completely out of the window. I'm still kind of iffy about arbitration as a whole because I don't really fully understand it. Like I know a lot of people do, but I do know that most of the league definitely hates it. I know a lot of players hate it because it just gives these teams full-on control for years and years and years, but for Yankee fans, this is a good thing because this means that Aaron Judge could possibly return to the Yankees next season. Now, Aaron Judge, who is amidst a, you know, AL MVP season, he's going to be getting paid something in the $300 million range. That's without a doubt. Now, I know the contract that the Yankees offered Aaron Judge in the offseason was somewhere around $31 million a season, which is still a lot of money, don't get me wrong, but I know Aaron Judge knows his true value, and he's going to be looking for something that, you know, Shohei Otani you know, is going to end up getting this offseason, as it was already reported that the Angels were going to pay Shohei Otani a four-year $200 million contract. So expect Aaron Judge to make some contract history too, because we know the Yankees, they definitely have the pockets to do it. But the problem a lot of Yankee fans are facing right now is will they actually just give him that blank check that he deserves and or just, you know, completely be cheap about it and then let him walk in free agency. But as of right now, Yankee fans, you have something to look forward to as Aaron Judge will be sticking with the team at least for the rest of the season and potentially next. Now, Yankee fans, don't be getting too happy because once again, y'all happen to be a headline once again and not for good reason. 
So the Houston Astros, they traveled up to New York on Thursday to start a four-game series against the New York Yankees. Now, on Thursday, the Yankees ended up walking it off. But on Friday, or was it Friday? No, it was on Saturday. I'm sorry, guys. I was completely backtracking on Saturday. The Astros completely embarrassed the New York Yankees as they combined no hit them on Saturday up in the Bronx. And in case you're wondering why this is a big deal, the New York Yankees have given at the Houston Astros so much crud about the whole 2019 uh, scandal that went down with the Houston Astros where it was confirmed that the Astros were using sign-stealing technology and they were using trash cans and they were just using a bunch of methods. And most notoriously in the 2017, I think it was ALCS, the Houston Astros would knock off the New York Yankees and then advance to the World Series. And ever since then, Yankee fans have absolutely been giving it to the uh, the Astros. Now, once again, this no-hitter, it was not just a single effort. It was a combined effort, but it still was no no-hitter. Now, the three pitchers that were involved in this no-hitter, it first started off with starting pitcher Christian Javier as he went seven complete innings and only gave up one walk and 13 strikeouts. Now, the next pitcher that would come up would be relief pitcher Hector Neris. Now, he only went one complete inning, but he did have two walks. Now, the final pitcher of this no-hitter would involve closer Ryan Presley. Now, Ryan Presley, he went one complete inning and threw two strikeouts with no walk. So, pretty impressive stat line regardless for all three of these pitchers. And some kind of cool history that goes along with this no-hitter by the Houston Astros. And the stat actually is that there's only been two no-hitters thrown against the Yankees since 1958. And both of these no-hitters come against the Houston Astros. So the Astros have thrown the only two hit two no-hitters against the New York Yankees in the past 64 years. Now, this last no-hitter would occur on June 11th in 2003. Now, the, now it wasn't just, you know, a single effort. It was, a you know, a combined no-hitter. Now, the pitchers that were involved were Pete Munro, who threw two and two-thirds innings, Kirk Sarlos for one and a third inning. Now, Kirk Sarlos, that's the current head coach of TCU baseball. So, you know, I, you know, I, anyway, besides, let me get the bias out of the way. The next pitcher would be Brad Lidge, who threw two complete innings, Octavio Dotel, who threw one complete inning, and Billy Wagner, who threw one, com- who, uh, threw one complete inning in a 8-0 to zero win against the Yankees up in the Bronx. So, Yankees have got no hit after having a really strong start to the 2022 season, and once again, it's not the end of the world. I just think it's more funny the fact that Yankee fans have given so much crud to the Astros, which they did deserve. But I think a lot of us MLB fans as a whole have kind of moved on from the situation and are just kind of just trying to get past that whole situation despite, you know, it was a really bad scandal. But anyway, that will wrap up today's MLB segment. But before I do let y'all go, let's talk about some NBA news because we did just have the NBA draft on Thursday. Now, I'm not going to go into depth about every single pick because, once again, I'm not an NBA expert. I don't watch the NBA religiously like I do college football and NFL. I do know a thing or two, but I'm just going to make sure that I list off the full first round for y'all. Now, the first round started off with the Orlando Magic uh, picking Paulo Banchero, the forward out of Duke. Now, this one was kind of shocking because a lot of draft experts had Auburn forward Jabari Smith going to the Orlando Magic, but instead, the Magic shock every expert's 
NBA mock draft, and they decide to pick forward out of Duke, Paulo Banchero. Now, OKC, they had the second pick, and they decided to go and get Gonzaga center Chet Holmgren. My only concern with Chet Holmgren is the fact that he is very, very lean. Like, he will need to put on a lot of weight if he's going to be competing against most centers in the NBA. He has a lot of potential because he is able to shoot threes and is very good in the paint. But once again, he does need to add a little bit more weight to his frame. Now, the Houston Rockets, they had the third pick, and they went out and got Auburn forward Jabari Smith, which I think he'll fit very well with former number two overall pick Jalen Green. Now, the Sacramento Kings, they had the fourth overall pick, and they picked forward Keegan Murray. The Detroit Pistons, they had pick number five, and they went out and got Purdue guard Jaden Ivey, which is a fantastic pick by the uh, Detroit Pistons. And then the Indiana Pacers, they had pick number six. They went out and got Arizona forward Benedict Moth uh, Mathern. However the heck you say his name, something Mothern. And then at pick seven, the Portland Trailblazers, they picked guard Shaden Sharp, the New Orleans Pelicans. At pick number eight, they picked Dyson Daniels, a guard. And then the San Antonio Spurs at pick nine, they picked forward Jeremy Sochan out of Baylor. And then at pick number 10, the Washington Wizards, they picked guard Johnny Davis. And then the New York Knicks at pick number 11, they picked Osman Dying, but would end up trading him to OKC. Then at pick number 12, the Oklahoma City Thunder, they picked forward Jalen Williams. And then at pick number 13, the Charlotte Hornets, they would pick Jalen Duran, but then would trade him to Detroit. And then at pick number 14, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they picked forward Oche Ogbaji, who I absolutely loved when he played at Kansas, and I think he'll fit very well with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then at pick number 15, the Charlotte Hornets, they picked center Mark Williams. Then at pick number 16, the Atlanta Hawks, they picked forward A.J. Griffin. And then at number 17, the Houston Rockets, they picked forward Tari Eason. And then at pick number 18, the Chicago Bulls picked guard Dalen Terry. Then at pick 19, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they picked Jake LaRavia. Yeah, and they traded, but they would end up trading him to Memphis. And then at pick 20, the San Antonio Spurs, they picked guard Malachi Branham. And then at pick 21, the Denver Nuggets, they picked forward Christian Braun from Kansas. At pick 22, the Memphis Grizzlies, they picked Walker Kessler, but it would end up trading him to Minnesota. And then at pick number 23, the Philadelphia 76ers, they picked David Rohde, but would trade him to Memphis. And then at pick number 24, the Milwaukee Bucks, they picked Marjan Bochamp, who is a guard. And then at pick 25, the San Antonio Spurs picked guard Blake Wesley. And then at pick 26, the Dallas Mavericks select Wendell Moore Jr., but would trade him to Minnesota. And then at pick 27, the Miami Heat, they select forward Nikola Jovic, not Nikola Jokic, Nikola Jovic. And then at pick 28, the Golden State Warriors select forward Patrick Baldwin Jr. Then at pick 29, the Memphis Grizzlies, they pick Ty Ty Washington Jr., but would trade him to Houston. And then at pick 30, the Oklahoma City Thunder would pick Wayton, or Peyton Watson, but would end up trading him to uh, Denver. And then with pick 31, the Indianapolis Pacers select guard Andrew Nembhard. And then with pick 32, the Orlando Magic would select forward Caleb Houston. Now that is it for the first round. I'm not going to go into the second round. I mostly want to just focus on the first round of the NBA draft. Now it was interesting. There was a lot of trades. My, I guess you'd say my kind of shocker was the Orlando Magic going and getting Paulo Banchero over Jabari Smith. But it does make sense at the same time because, I mean, it's just the Orlando Magic. They've never been the greatest at drafting. But I do think Houston, they did get a steal at number three with Jabari Smith. 
Now, the final NBA news that I do want to talk about in today's episode is regarding LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, yes, the former Cleveland Cavaliers duo, they might be reuniting. Now, after um, the Brooklyn Nets and uh, Kyrie Irving have kind of both agreed just to split pretty much. They're just going to go their separate ways. It's not official yet, but that's pretty much where it's going to end up going. Uh, Kyrie Irving, he did give the Brooklyn Nets a list of teams that he would be interested in joining. And one of those teams did include the Lakers. And it's even been reported that Kyrie Irving has called and talked to LeBron James about him possibly reuniting with Braun in L.A. So we might be we might actually see a, re, a, a, a reunion between LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, which is something I never thought I would say because after you know, Kyrie Irving wanted to leave Cleveland due to the fact that he was not the focal point of the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, would go and then join Boston. I never really thought to see them both in the same team again, but I think Kyrie's officially faced the fact that, you know, he is going to need some help and he can't just be a focal point. And I think him joining LA would be a huge boost for the Lakers, but obviously the Lakers, they're going to have to give up something. And I think this would be the perfect time to get rid, you know, of Russell Will or not Russell, man. I'm still thinking about the NFL. I think it would be a perfect time for them to get rid of Russell Westbrook. Not due to the fact that Russell Westbrook's a bad player or anything. He just, he never has fit the Lakers scheme and how they do things. And I think it would be good for Russell to get a fresh start in um, Brooklyn. Especially with the fact that there's been a lot of rumors going on about KD possibly requesting trade if Kyrie leaves. Now, KD's already come out and said that he hasn't requested a trade and yada, yada, yada. But... I would imagine that KD would not want to stick on a team that's pretty much just going to unfold. And I do think if Russ possibly did get traded back to Brooklyn, it would be good because he would be able to have Ben Simmons. And, you know, the more I'm talking about it now, it doesn't really make as much sense because Russ can't shoot threes. Ben Simmons, ben Simmons obviously is scared of the arc. I mean, he just refuses to shoot anything, you know, outside of the arc. So it definitely would be a team that would be a great slashing team, but... Definitely not a team you're going to want outside the perimeter. But anyway, guys, that will wrap up today's episode. I hope you all have enjoyed today's episode because I know I definitely enjoyed making it for y'all. If you are feeling a little bit generous and feel like stepping up your support to the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast, Anchor.com has a monthly supporters program where you can pay $4.99 a month. That allows me to be able to better the quality of every single episode, give monthly supporters some exclusive perks, including some, you know, just some uh, little secret you know, videos and everything or podcasts, whatever it might be. And also, it will allow me just to simply be able to give y'all some certain giveaways when we reach certain milestones here on the podcast. But anyway, guys, it is not required. I don't. I'm never going to push it on you or anything like that. I'm just letting you know it is out there, and I would greatly appreciate it. And I already greatly appreciate any type of support that y'all show me, whether it is just like, comment, rating, whatever it might be. I thank y'all so, so much for everything that you do towards me, and it does really mean the world to me. But anyway, guys, I hope y'all have enjoyed today's episode, and please make sure that you have a great start to y'all's week. Make sure you have a great Monday and Tuesday, and I will see y'all back here on Wednesday. Peace. 